0: couple of years ago when I started this work I had this image in my head of scientists I was a scientist myself I'm still a scientist a scientist being this noble person who only does honest science and um, finding these plagiarized papers shattered that image and finding these manipulated images shattered that even more I was very surprised that there were so many
1: Welcome to Everything Hurts. My name is Dan Quintana from the University of Oslo. I'm here with James Heathers. And today we are joined by a special guest, Elizabeth Bick. After receiving a PhD at Utrecht University in the Netherlands where she worked at the Dutch National Institute of Health, Uh, where she set up a molecular microbiology unit, and later she joined the School of Medicine at Stanford, where she worked on the characterization of the human microbiome in gastrointestinal samples. And in May 2014, she founded Microbiome Digest, which is a daily compilation of scientific papers in the rapidly growing microbiome field. Elizabeth, thanks for joining us on the show.
0: I'm so excited to be here. Thank you.
1: We're very happy to have you here. Now, one of the topics that we often cover on the show is uh, error detection in scientific papers. Uh, typically, when it comes to the reporting of uh, numerical results of statistical inference, um, but uh, but long before a lot of people were doing this um or uh, you've actually been working on detection detecting errors in scientific images namely uh western blots which for those not familiar with molecular biology is a widely used method for protein detection. Uh in 2016 paper you reported that an analysis of over 20,000 papers Revealed that uh, about one in 25 had evidence of uh, problematic images. But before we get into that paper, I wanted to ask how did you get interested in image manipulation as a topic in the first place?
0: Oh, well, that's a sort of a long story. I actually started first to be interested in plagiarism. So I um, think I was reading something online about plagiarized text in scientific papers. And just out of curiosity, I took a couple of sentences from a paper I had written, a review paper, and I um, yeah put that in uh, in Google Scholar. And sure enough, I found another paper that had that exact same sentence that I wrote in their oh paper, God. and that was a newer paper. Oh, first, first, <laughs> I'm like, wait, <laughs> that's my sentence. <laughs> I wrote that. And uh, so I, I I I took that that paper and I. Um, I found that that paper consisted of a lot of sentences that they had taken from other researchers. So it was sort of this patchwork of sentences written by other researchers, all put together into a new review paper. And I was completely intrigued by that, Why? because it seemed more work to <laughs> copy-paste all these uh, sentences instead of writing something yourself. Um and so I, yeah, I started to uh, search for uh, my own field, the microbiome or microbiology field, just looking for good review papers written by reputable, uh, reputable researchers, and seeing if those sentences had been copied in other papers. And I found about, think about, eighty papers that had this patchwork of sentences taken from other papers. And I reported those, but it was—it it turned out it was just a lot of work to look at all these papers, a lot of work going through all the texts, marking them in colors, sending them to the editors of the journals that they had been published in, and in the end, it, I decided it wasn't really worth to put so much effort in because uh, you know it's it's plagiarized text, but the science at least is still good, so it's of course you know a little bit of. Um, cheating uh, to write a paper like that. But while I was doing that, I found this thesis that also had plagiarized text. And Ooh, as I was flipping through yeah. that thesis that I had downloaded, I saw this particular image, uh, a Western bot, like you were just saying, and it had a little smudger smear that made this into a very memorable plot, memorable photo. And as I was flipping through that thesis, I found that same image, but then flipped horizontally, so the smudge was now pointing in the other direction, but it was the same image, but it was representing a different experiment. And I forgot what it was really, like one was a a time series and the other one was a dilution series. But this um, person who had written the PhD thesis had used this image twice, and then I was intrigued by that. I went through the whole thesis, I found several more of these images, and some of these had been published in scientific papers and so i decided i guess i had a good eye for detecting these uh these uh, duplications and i started um uh, yeah looking at more papers online and
1: 20000
0: 20000 it's no
1: 20621
0: something like that yeah but, well uh. now it's now it's probably closer to 30000 because i i keep on doing this uh this was the set we decided to publish but yeah, as, as I was starting this, it became this weird hobby where you know I would do this uh, in the weekends and at night and and sort of.
1: James you know, James hunt, gets called an accuracy for fetishist images. for this. What's that? James gets called an accuracy fetishist. Yes. For uh, for this kind of stuff, so <laughs> you're yeah, in it, it, you're in good company. Yeah.
0: <laughs> exactly, and and it was first a hobby, but then I decided I should do it scientifically, and uh, you know, not just go uh, for randomly picked journals or randomly picked um papers but to do it in a systematic way so I, I started with one particular journal uh plus one not not because i have anything against plus one but it's it's just an easy journal to flip through pages and th- flip through images
2: yeah and for sure.
0: uh yeah doing it in a systematic way
2: yeah i can't i can't relate to any of that elizabeth yeah <laughs> The the, 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 the the late nights, the persistent dedication to um,
0: uh-huh. uh huh,
2: trying to trying to find small details that are kind of off somewhere, and uh, yes. the, the the inability to let it go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all entirely foreign <laughs> to me. So I it's, know. It's, it's nice to see another perspective represented in the in the heart of science.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it's oh, it, and of course not, I'm not I'm not the first person who does this. There's um oh, no. there's there's yeah. several people who do this, but. Uh, I decided to to turn it into a scientific project and write a paper about. So I partnered with Toro Casadoval and Farrick Fang, and who are two microbiologists who both are editors of a chi- scientific journal, um, editors in chief. And they have done a lot of work looking at retractions of papers and and other aspects of science misconduct. And they seem to be really good partners to. Uh, yeah, to to be involved in this project as well. Because they're editors of a scientific journal, so they can they, they see the the problem from the other end. I see it as a reader, they see it as an editor in chief. Mm, and yeah. yeah, and they were they were completely intrigued by what I had found. They at first didn't quite believe me that I could see these things. They're like, Oh, you're you know, I don't really see it, but after a while, as we, we were studying them more more and more of these cases, they they uh, they came on board and we turned out to be a really good team. We, we've actually never met each other. We only did this uh, through Skype or uh, email, but um, uh, we set it up in such a way that I did all the scanning and they both had to agree with my findings. So there was, of course, there were a couple of papers where we had disagreement about and so we, we let those go, but we only, uh, in the end, pick the ones that we all three of us agreed on. So How
1: long so does it typically take to to actually just to look at one image?
0: Uh, like a second or so? And okay, image, so, 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 one, so you yeah, can that's, actually that's, see that's, within
1: a second that this image seems to have some problems with
0: it. So I cannot detect a really good Photoshop. That, uh, for that, you really need... A computer or you need, really need to work with pixels and compression, and uh I know there's a lot of image software that can do that, but I can only detect if two images look similar to each other, which I, I think anybody can do this you you just you know flip through a couple of uh of these photos and I see that there's an overlap or there's a there's a a rotation or a shift, but it's it the images are are de- identical to each other.
2: Well, you, see, um, you you say that you say that like, anyone can do it, but I, I,
0: <laughs> I, I feel it's nothing special. <laughs> but, yeah,
2: no, uh, I have to I have to tell you, I, I would I would stand on my credentials as someone who checks the accuracy of scientific literature right. to a reasonable degree. I have tried doing what you do, mm-hmm. um, and there's the obvious problem that I'm not a microbiologist or anything like it. Right, but they turn into just a sea of. Of dots in front of me, I find myself checking and 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 rechecking and and go back and constantly second guessing myself, and a, bit, a little bit mm-hmm. like a like I imagine an old guy who puts the radio on and hears the modern top forty, and you go, oh, this isn't music, you know, and <laughs> thumps dumps his hand on the dashboard. Because so I, I tried it, and I would, I would urge anyone who thinks that this is reasonably straightforward to go out and have a go. Elizabeth's making it sound very, very easy, and that was <laughs> not my experience. Well, at all.
0: it's it's not easy to scan twenty thousand papers. I think I'm I'm Hell one of the nah. very few people who would be crazy enough to to just do that many. Um, but uh, I feel if I pointed out that. Uh, a particular image is 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 the same as you know figure let's say figure 1 panel a is looks very similar to figure 4 panel g and so the only thing i i do is flip through all the images all the figures within a paper and and sort of store this in my memory and then compare the paper the all the images within that paper what i cannot do is remember an image from you know If I'm at paper 20,000, I cannot remember the figure from Paper <laughs> nineteen yeah. thousand. Yeah. That's or um, That's it. Yeah. So, no one's, yeah.
2: I don't think anyone exactly. has that Rainman level of expectation <laughs> across For that images. We need Google. But, yeah. But, but but I suppose if you're if you're doing a, a a fuller investigation, if you find one paper that's got problematic internal duplications, right. then you start right. comparing that to other papers, perhaps by the same author or research yes. team or institution, mm-hmm. um, because they start forming their own kind of local sample.
0: Right, yeah. So, um, so I did did that. Yeah, I um, first I did those twenty thousand papers, and then I I did check these papers just by by comparing the author names to see if there were any clusters, as I call them. So I define a cluster as uh, two or more papers from the same group of authors. Oh, and, um, right. Yeah. So I I already found a couple of those clusters, and then I decided to also take a subset of these papers, and I th- I'm trying to remember the first thousands or so to look at um, uh, to look at other papers from the papers that I had found problems in. Uh, problem being defined as an image that was duplicated. Um, right. How
2: many how many clusters yeah. have you found?
0: Uh oh, I don't I don't know because I I later started to systematically look for those clusters so. Hmm. Uh, uh, if I had to make a wild guess it's about 100 or so but no. I only oh. checked a subset of these Fuck. of these papers. I didn't check all the the 800 papers yet that I uh that I found in my search. But uh wow. there was definitely a higher chance for a paper that had these these problems to have other papers written by the same authors with problems yeah. like that, suggesting that you know these are not always honest errors. Now you yeah, mentioned this, that this your
1: show. you mentioned that your co-authors were were, were quite surprised with the t- sort of numbers that you were finding. Were you surprised with what you were finding?
0: Yes, I was. I was actually shocked that scientists would do this. I a couple of years ago when I started this work bef- before I had found a plagiarized text. I had this image in my head of scientists, I was a scientist myself, I'm still a scientist, a scientist being this noble person who only does honest science and um, finding these plagiarized papers shattered that image and finding these manipulated images shattered that even more. I was very surprised that there were so many of these papers. on the other no. hand, it is only four percent. So it's it's you know if you look at that one in twenty five always sounds higher uh, like a higher number than four <laughs> percent. You can manipulate the numbers, but four uh, percent is not that bad. It means that ninety six percent of the papers does not have these these uh, problems. Well, so if you look at that from that way, it's not that bad.
1: But, I but full. still
0: I can only detect the images that are obviously manipulated, like uh, like imagine an image of uh, the sky or like some landscape image, and you see the same cloud twice, like a cloud of that photo has been copy pasted in a spot where there wasn't a cloud. And you can obviously see that it's the same cloud. And if you, it has the same shape, the same form, but if you if you then um, really Photoshop a picture from, uh, a, a picture of, of a cloud that was taken from another picture, so the cloud looks very different, I wouldn't be able to tell if that cloud was really there the original p- picture. For that, you really need to do detailed analysis of, like I said, like the compression and the pixelation of uh, of the photo. Um, but so it can only detect the really obviously done Photoshop, the where they exactly where they didn't even bother to to flip the image or to to change the size the 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 size or the the shape of things. Uh, so I imagine that the real amount of photoshopped images might even be higher. On the other hand, I can only detect the ones that uh, that have photographic images. I cannot see for any uh, any errors or any manipulation of data that is shown as line graphs or tables. For that, you guys have better uh, better uh, tools for that. So so the real amount of, um, of per- the, the real percentage of manipulated data in general it's it's probably higher because I can only detect a very small subset of that, um, and you really would need to sit next to the researcher in their lab uh, seeing if they manipulate data to detect that. No. i I fear that the real amount of manipulated data is is maybe closer to ten percent.
1: Now, mm-hmm. you, yeah. I noticed in your paper that um, the data was open. So, within that open data, do you actually uh, name and shame, so to speak, the articles that you detected? No. Um, you didn't?
0: <laughs> no, we didn't. So, uh, we published it in an open access paper, but we did not publish the list of the papers that we found during our search. And, yep. the, reason, and re- the reason we didn't want to do that is because most of these uh most, most of the papers that we found are still uh, under consideration by the journal. So I've reported all of these at the, with the journal that they were published in. But the majority of these, I have not had an end conclusion yet, even mm. though they were reported maybe three, four years ago, some of them. They, the journal is still officially investig- investigating them. So we want to give all these authors a chance to respond. And some of these might be honest errors. We, we all make er- errors, and uh, some of these are pretty obviously honest errors. And they, they, might, be, they might be errors by the, by the journal or by the authors. For example, I've seen... Mm, right, I've yeah, seen, copy editors. Yeah. It's
2: possible, right?
0: it is uh and i've i've seen where i've seen an instance where there was a paper in which the same figure was published twice so it said figure 1 is showing this and this figure 2 is showing something else but the the images in the figure were exactly the same so that's just an obvious error where somebody uploaded figure 1 instead of figure 2 for example and yep. so you see the same exact image but but uh yeah there has to be an error there. That's not intentional. Hmm. Nobody apparently noticed that during the, the publication of the paper, and they should have, but there, there's no intention to mislead there. While in other cases where you see an image that was, you know, an image that has the same feature twice, let's say an image of a, a landscape, you see the same clouds, that is not possible in any natural way. So these um, these Western blots have really they're almost like faces to me. They, they, every, every band in these gels look very different. They have a little, they have a shape, they have a, uh, a darkness of the, the, the blackness of the band can differ a little bit. They can be a little bit more gray or black. They have background pixelations or background uh, irregularities that I can pick up. and So every band looks like a, a face to me. And you can, you can tell them apart from each other.
1: What was so, the general reaction uh, yeah. from the from the editors when you approached them, saying um, these papers have uh, evidence of uh, um, inconsistencies in their images?
0: Um, it's in generally, it was very disappointing. In most of the cases, I would indeed get an email you know the standard reply email like thank you for bringing this to our attention we'll investigate this matter <laughs> and then yeah, thank crickets, you so crickets. Much. <laughs> 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 thank you so much yes we'll look into this and then nothing for two years three years um, so um, unfortunately I l- I've lost all my correspondence while I was uh, when I moved from uh, UBIOM, uh, from uh, Stanford where I worked at that time to Ubiome so I thought I would keep my uh, access to my uh, email account. So I I did lose all my correspondence. So I I sent emails to all these uh, journals again when I uh, from my new email address, asking them, uh, you know, if they could give me an update. And and most of these journals don't even respond. Wow. So it's it's. And it's Ugh. not in a journal's interest to retract or to investigate these papers, as you can imagine. It's it's a huge burden for all the editors and, and other staff at the journal um, because they need to write to the, to the authors of these papers, um, ask maybe for the originals of these blots, and maybe the authors don't respond because it's not in their interest to respond, of course. They <laughs> yeah, can just pretend they didn't see that email. And and so there's just a lot of, uh, a lot of, yeah, not not no no updates uh, that I got. So I only got maybe for, I don't know, about one third of the papers that I reported. I got an answer back, um, either saying uh, we've retracted the paper, we corrected the paper, or we thought it wasn't a problem. One of these three. Uh, That's but yeah, Not a it's,
1: bad response right? I thought it would have been worse than that.
0: Yeah, well, I don't know. I I had hoped again. I, I always like to more. think of something better, but uh, no, I had hoped for a little bit more. But um, yeah, it varies much from journal to journal. There were there were papers where I thought it was very obviously that part that some um, some part of the images were stamped or copied pasted several times. Uh, very obvious to me that it was done very intentionally. And the journal would say, "We don't see any problem with this image." I'm like, "But look, <laughs> I can see it." <laughs> but yeah, if, it's 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 tough to um, to convince them to investigate these uh, these images. It's so much work for a journal to contact the authors and and even to retract a paper. That would be not in their interest because it would take away from their uh, their impact factor. The the numbers of time those um, those papers are cited. yeah so papers.
2: it looks it looks bad. it knocks down the citation count yes, um, yeah. it may even like if you've got uh, it may even create the perception with authors who are working with the journal that there it is a, it is a kind of an instigatory sort of place where people mm-hmm. are likely to come after you. I mean if you found four or five in the same journal and they were responsible about it and they uh, they pushed through a bunch of retractions I mean they, they may get less submissions. Um, they, they may get a reputation for being harsh, I may mean, to be entirely undeserved, but um, that's something that people pay attention to. Um, that's a really similar experience to everything that happened with the Grim paper. I think we, we had a better response overall because we didn't deal with the journals. We went straight to the authors and said, we've found problems. Here's a here's a technique. Um, mm-hmm. We want to see the data that's underlying the figures that we've analyzed. Um, And we're trying to make sure that the technique makes sense. So you're not going to get named in the paper. We're interested in whether or not the technique looking at a published work can identify problems in the private data. So give that like lots of prodding emails and a long period of time. And we probably had a higher response rate than that. But the other thing is, I mean, you, when you do something uh, something like Graham, you're not coming at people saying, you're saying there's an inconsistency. You're not saying there's a flat-out error. I mean, image detection is a little bit like plagiarism. You go, yep, that entire paragraph appears elsewhere, and you can prove right. it to yourself through the simple medium exactly. of looking. <laughs> Just look. Mm-hmm. And um, I imagine, do, do you think it was, I mean, I'm going to ask a really specific question because uh, sure. it's it's supremely interesting to me. This is something that, I mean, related to what I can do, and I'm totally incapable of doing it. Um, <laughs> the, the, if, you've, if you've got an image, I mean, there's obviously categories of how bad something is. So if you've got a normal Western blot, a little electrophoretic protein, what's this name, and it's got features, and then you see it later in the paper, but you've changed the contrast threshold and you have turned it upside down and you've put it through some kind of noise filter, um, they're kind of. I, I'm assuming there's gradations of how bad is something with the intent to mislead. Right. Did yeah, that So.
0: Make,
2: sorry. Oh, no. No. go. Go on. Go on.
0: Yeah. So we we realized that there were different gradations, and so we in our when we published this data, we um sort of looked at three different categories. We had one category where a complete photo of a gel or a, p- a panel hmm. was was duplicated. So the photo was not alter- altered in any way, but it was made to represent a different experiment. Okay. That we thought, you know, could still be an honest error. Uh it might not have been an honest error, but you know, it could have been an honest error. Hmm. Um, the second instance was a little bit worse. That is an instance where the photo was flipped or rotated or shifted. So let's say in one photo you, you saw lanes one, two, three, four, and five. And in another photo, you saw lanes two, three, four, five, and six. So there was an overlap of a couple of lanes. Um, but the photo was shifted. That we thought, was a little bit more um suggestive of the intention of to mislead and then our third category was a category where you see the same band twice within the same panel so that would be similar to the cloud i was talking about you see the same cloud in the same picture that has to you know that cannot happen by accident something like that where Exactly. It, you have to sort of it has to, to, it of, has to be yeah.
2: created from scratch, right?
0: Exactly. And so these three categories um we um th- the first category we we decided to sort of, you know, be suggestive for an honest error while the other two were suggestive for the intention to mislead. Hmm. Just to just to make a gradation and to 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 do some statistics on it and uh and I think if I remember correctly there were you know, roughly one third fell into each category, but uh, more than half of the of the images fell in category two and three, the the, the worst offense, offenses.
2: Yeah. Now,
1: considering the um, considering the response from, or well, the, the lack of a response from about two thirds of the journals, mm-hmm. do you at all regret your decision not to actually post the the, the data of um of the of, of the papers which which you defined? Um, no. As no. You, so you don't you don't re- regret that?
0: No, I don't regret that. I actually intend to write another follow-up paper, and maybe I should be, shouldn't be saying this, but I, I want to write a paper on the response of the journals. and Because maybe after, let's say, five years or so, I can say, okay, what happens? All these, all these images that I uh, reported, all of these are representative of maybe not all of the intention to mislead, but definitely errors, What do journals do to correct these errors? And what is the response to reporting these? And um, so so that is sort of, I'm I'm basically just waiting until I have a stretch of time in which I can do the data analysis. Um,
1: If you're enjoying Everything Hurts, there's a few ways that you can support the show. Firstly, you can become a patron. We have two Patreon support tiers. Our first is the $1 a month Mad Bad Grad tier, and in return, you're going to receive a monthly Everything Hurts newsletter and access to behind-the-scenes photos and video via the Patreon app. We also have a $5 Professor Fancy Pants tier, and on top of the newsletter and behind-the-scenes access, you'll also get a exclusive mini episode which is released. Every single month. Every single cent we get via Patreon is going to go back into making the show better. On top of Patreon, you can also mention the show on social media. We would love that. We are Hertz Podcast on Twitter and we also have a Facebook account which we will link to in the show notes. Any questions, just contact us over social media or over email. We are everythinghertzpodcast at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Everything Hurts. For this episode, we are chatting with uh, Elizabeth Bick. And if you want to follow her on Twitter, her Twitter handle is Microbiome Digest, uh, and we can uh, post that on the show notes. And um, online, you can find her at microbiomedigest.com as well, uh, where her and her team post the latest papers uh, in the field. Obama. Elizabeth,
2: is, is Dan saying your name right?
0: Yes, he is. <laughs> oh, Which is remarkable God. because a lot of people butcher my name. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad because
1: I've, I've got a bad reputation for saying names incorrectly, so I'm very glad <laughs> that I got well, your name. Names.
2: Your name's Rajesh <laughs> Raganangathan. Oh, no. <laughs> well done, Dan. I pronounce Dan.
0: everything uh, wrongly, so, uh, you know. That's
2: fine. Now,
1: back, uh, back on your paper, Elizabeth, uh, one thing I found really interesting was this trend that you found between the percentage of papers with problematic images and uh, Journal Prestige, which was, in, in this case, indexed by Journal Impact Factor. Um, now, you found that there were fewer problematic images in the fancier journals. Well, right. Why do you think this was?
0: Um, I think it's because those journals have more – rigorous screening methods and more eyes looking at these papers. So they're usually reviewed by, by reviewers who have more experience or, um, and, and and I think also because these journals know that a lot of people want to publish in these journals, you know, the the natures and the science and the cells, those Mm. are the high impact journals everybody wants to publish in. And, I think they're just being looked at with more scrutiny, with more uh, de- yeah, eye for detail. But yeah, that's just my hypothesis. I'm, I might be wrong, but uh, and it's also just more people looking at them. So, if there's a, a problem with these with these papers, I would imagine more people would or people would see that sooner because there's just more people reading those journals than a very small, specialist journal that just has a smaller readership. I also think it's, it's that the people, the, the researchers who publish in these fancy journals are generally sp- speaking a little bit more um, senior and more experienced in publishing, while a lot of the smaller journals are catering towards starting researchers. And we've noticed that there's, there were certain countries where authors came from, that had a higher chance of having being associated with these uh, duplicated images. So in particularly papers from China were had a higher chance of having these images. We did some research later um, published with um, uh, Fanelli, where we looked at uh, why that would be the case. And, And it's probably because countries like China have monetary incentives and uh, also, requirements to uh, obtain grants to have published in what they call international journals. So, so basically, English journals, general journals. So, if authors publish in these uh, journals, they get a monetary reward. They get money, or they can they can apply for grants, or they can become a professor. So, there's a lot of pressure on young researchers to to publish in these papers and. You know what happens if you if your experiments don't work, you might be then tempted to make them look like they work and and manipulate images. So it's and it's the it's difference. yeah. Sorry, there's just sorry. Uh, too much pressure uh, from either their PIs or or just they just need that paper for their career and.
1: Don't, don't we have the same sort of pressure in in the West as well? Uh, I, I was just visiting China, and, and one of the first things I spoke <laughs> about was this um, this idea of my colleagues there, like, tell, tell me about this this thing where you get the bonuses for the papers. Right. Um, but I've, I've been speaking to a few other people, and um, you can make the argument that at least in, 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 in other countries, uh, you do actually get a monetary reward for publishing these papers. Uh, but with the reward's a little bit different. It might be a tenured mm-hmm. position- uh, it might be a um, a promotion. Uh, it's it's not as black and white as actually getting here's he, he, a bunch, he's a wad of money for publishing in PNAS. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I still think we do get those sort of publication pressures uh, everywhere.
0: Yeah, and it's also I think that uh, I think the countries like the US have a have a much longer history of publishing in science, while China is. A relatively new player, and they're doing fantastic research, but they're also they have less of a, of a history of of doing science than and publishing in international papers than the U.S. and England and and uh, and other countries. So and so that might also be a reason where just people are less experienced and they they're they're more tempted to do that because they haven't realized yet what would be the consequences when these things come out.
1: What's the Mm. trend been recently? Because you mentioned that you're still doing this and you're still looking at at problematic images. Uh, It's been a couple of years since 2016. Has anything changed in the field?
0: Um, I haven't done any systematic research since. Now I'm just doing particular papers or particular projects that people ask me to do uh, privately. So I haven't done any... uh, you know, follow up on on uh, looking at if the percentage of these images goes down now that I've signaled it, and and I'm not the only person uh, talking about this. There's many other people flagging these things on Peer, for example, mm. where which is a website that where you can uh, talk about papers and and potential issues with them. Either giving compliments or raising some critical questions, so it's sort of a online journal club. So, yeah. My experience with pub
2: is it has a, a tendency to pursue the more the more critical elements. <laughs> yes. <of problems> it <laughs> <is>. it's fairly <laughs> thin sure. on the compliments. Sure. I suppose possible. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> there there's Not that many pub. Comp- yeah, because if you're happy with something, you're not. Uh, you know, you're not. You're not uh, writing about it. So. Same as on Twitter. You, you complain about things, but you very rarely send a compliment to United uh, Airlines that they, they have transported you safely somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Usually, the, the, the complaints that go online. <laughs> so, so yeah, yeah the,
2: how, how robbed must United Airlines be feeling? I mean, they strangle one guy <laughs> and there's no <laughs> mention of the tens of thousands of unstrangled people who make their way safely between destinations
0: yeah so it's the same in science where uh you know if a paper is good you you take that for granted but uh yeah if a paper might have an issue you get badges it, yeah <laughs> now so, uh, sorry go on yeah so I, I was i was saying we we seem to detect in our uh, twenty thousand uh paper uh paper that we published that study we seem to detect sort of a on a, a downward trend towards the um the end of the time period that we looked at um, suggesting that these type of images appear to be uh, less prevalent in more recent years than they were in earlier years. And that might just be that people are more getting better at Photoshopping or (laughs) I'm not detecting. (laughs) I was going to
1: say that almost. Yeah.
0: Yes. Or, or people, or these things are being detected at an earlier um, phase in the editorial process, which I think is a really good thing. If we, I've worked together with um, an ASM journal. So ASM is the American Society for Microbiology, sort of my my home uh, my home uh, society. And one of they publish several journals, and one of them is Molecular and Cellular Biology. And um, they've done a really good job in uh, scanning for these type of images before they're being published. So they had a fairly high rate of. Problematic images, but after they started to screen for these images as as a part of their editorial process, so before they were being accepted and published, they uh, brought down the number of these uh, these images. And I think it's really good to to um, detect them before publication because it just saves everybody a lot of work in the end. It's a little bit more investment of time to scan for these images in accepted papers. But it's much more work to try to correct them after they have been published, and yeah. it just saves it saves everybody also a lot of pain. You 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 know you give an author the chance to correct, and um, and yeah, you save all the editors a lot of work in the end. So it's it's good for everybody to, to do this before they're being published.
1: It's another benefit of preprints in that um, yeah, you know I, I'd much rather prefer getting told I'm wrong in preprint right uh, it's a little exactly. bit embarrassing but it's, it's much better than actually having that than a published paper uh, yes. so I think that's a that, that, that's a real big plus there
2: mm-hmm. um,
1: now I want to change tack a little bit and um, in, uh, in around in 2016 you actually uh, d- uh, switched from academia to industry because you joined you yeah. uh, you biome mm-hmm. as as a science editor can you tell us a little bit about this um, the, the, this switch that you made?
0: Sure. Um, so I had one when I moved to the U.S. I uh, was very lucky to uh, find a job with in the at, st- at Stanford University, and I worked there for 15 years in the lab of David Relman, and that was fantastic. I, uh, you know, it's fantastic to work in a great lab uh, with a with a great PI, and to have worked with a lot of great names, uh, big names in uh, in my field. But after 15 years, I. I did feel it was time for a change. I found it found very hard to grow after that time. It's at Stanford. It's very competitive, as you can imagine. So it's very hard to find a job as a PI, as a uh, you know, as a uh, the head of a group. So I had been in that group for a long time, but there was just no chance of me growing anymore uh, in that group. And uh, and also very, very tough if you... I wanted to stay in the San Francisco Bay Area and there's not that many universities there. So I tried to apply mm. for other professors' jobs and I wasn't even invited most of the times. And, and, it was just and you got a passionate. science paper as well. Uh, well, second author, yes. But uh, you know, at some point they were looking for a new... At Stanford to hire a new professor in microbiology in the microbiome field and I applied. And they're like, no, we're actually looking for an international big researcher i'm like well i'm international <laughs> but, uh, you know it's <laughs> it it was just frustrating and I, I just decided like okay maybe maybe there's at this point in my time in my life there's no no room for a professorship which which was my dream and yeah i uh, i saw so i was looking a little bit for other opportunities and i saw uh an advertised job at ubiome which is um a, a microbial genomics company who sequenced microbiome um for for uh, customers which was exactly what i was what we were doing at stanford only then for research so the it, it seemed like a perfect fit they were looking for a science editor somebody who could write science papers or edit the the contents that would go online which were two parts of science that i really enjoyed i I love doing peer review, I love doing science writing and science communication. So it seems like a really good fit and they hired me, so I was very happy with that. And and it was interesting to 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 see how there's now this whole industry in the microbiome field that I had never thought would be possible. I, I worked as a microbiome researcher. So we looked at which bacteria are present in Stool from patients, or I also worked on dolphins, which is all another story.
1: And now you have biohackers (laughs) sending you stools.
0: Yes. (laughs) So, so yeah. We we of course worked in at Stanford. We worked with a with several of um, several people who are biohackers or quantified self uh, type of people who are very interested to to learn about which bacteria they have in their stool. And it was interesting to see that a whole industry came out of that, where you can actually sell kits to uh, to have your microbiome uh, analyzed so that's that's what we do at your biome and um and not only do we sell um or do yeah do we do microbiome analysis for customers we also uh, do that uh, for for patients uh, and work with doctors to to have um the microbiome analyzed as part of sort of the you know the analysis of 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 all patients health so we do that but it was uh yeah, it was a big change, though, from uh, academia to, uh, to industry. Um, what surprised uh, you the most? What's that?
1: What, what? What surprised you the most doing the doing the switch between the two? I'm sure you had some expectations of what, uh, yeah. what industry would be like, but what surprised you?
0: Um, how collaborative industry is compared to uh, to academia. So in uh, in in academia, or at least in my the group I worked at, it's uh, Stanford people work for themselves so you do everything every part of the research you you do by yourself you do you know the the data collection the 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 collecting the samples putting them in the freezer taking them out of the freezer doing the dna extraction um doing the bioinformatics analysis and writing the paper so all these all these different aspects of research I did myself. Of course, you collaborated with people, you work together, you ask questions, you exchange information, but, but most of the work I did. And in industry, you work much more together. So you have specialized people who do the bioinformatics, you have people doing the marketing, you have people doing um, the science writing, that was, that would be me, and people doing you know customer relationships. So you have very specialized people, but you work as a team together. And that was, I found it very different and very refreshing a very, a lot of fun to, to work with all these people and learn about their, their expertise. So I learned a lot about what marketing does and, and how, how you, how you answer questions from customers and all the things that go into, into a business. And, uh, yeah, it, it, it was just after working for 15 years in the industry, seeing a completely different side of it. and. Uh, it was a great experience.
1: The whole microbiome thing has actually gotten a lot of uh, interest within psychiatry over the past year or two. Um, uh, where, yeah, a lot of people are kind of saying, yes, you know, he, these things or, 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 you know, any uh, dysfunction in the microbiome actually contributes to, to mental illness. There's a lot of hype. Where, where do things sit right now uh, when, when it comes to <laughs> disease and, and health? We have a lot of- particularly within autism- um, there's a lot of people right. within within the field of autism and particularly developmental disorders because autism is, is, is commonly characterised by uh, problems with the, the gastrointestinal tract. Right. So people are yeah. thinking, well, it's the microbiome. If only we can fix the microbiome, then perhaps <laughs> we can we perhaps we can address autism. Where where are things at? I want to he- <laughs> well, <wanna> hear.
0: <laughs> we're definitely. Uh, I think uh, the microbiome is is definitely like any new field any new industries going through the hype cycle so uh, (laughs) when it just started (laughs) you know the hype cycle where you first the expectations go up and up and up and we can fix anything with the microbiome like the microbiome is the new answer to to fix all diseases and And what do uh,
2: what do we call that what do we call that on hertz Daniel
1: we have our own we have our own terminology (laughs) for the hype cycle
2: we came up up we came up with our own we came up with our own version of the Gartner cycle Many, many <laughs> episodes ago. Oh, what infl- the peak of inflated <laughs> expectations here is called exactly. Mount Bullshit.
0: Oh, okay, mount Bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, so we're uh, I don't know, I personally have felt uh, the what is the trough of disillusionment where you, you just go down like okay, the microbiome is not able to solve anything. Uh, but I think we're we're going towards a more healthy uh, you know, intermediate where uh, the microbiome could maybe in the future solve some problems, but not everything, but but definitely there's hope. So uh, it's it's sort of a a positive place where we are now, but I think a lot of people are jumping into these these hyped-up expectations. And similar to the human genome, where the sequencing of the human genome was believed to solve all genetic problems, but it hasn't really done that. Uh, Of course, we've learned a lot, but we still... Don't know, you know, a lot about what the, how the genome influences our health, and the same is true for the microbiome. We see differences in people with autism. There's there's definitely a lot of studies that show that um, children with autism autism have a different, lower diversity, usually, so fewer bacterial species in their uh, stool. But it's really hard to say if those differences are caused by autism or are if they are the result of autism. There's an ever-growing list of diseases that have some association with the microbiome and uh, and that offers a lot of hope for patients with these diseases. So there's uh, Parkinson's disease and Alzheimer's and um, multiple sclerosis and, and you name it. There's almost any disease now seems to have a link with the microbiome. And so a lot of patients of course who suffer from these chronic diseases are very hopeful that the microbiome now will offer an answer but as of now for most of these cases we're still in we still don't know if it's just a correlation or if there's any causation and uh, there are some hopeful uh, especially animal experiments point sometimes towards there might that there might be a causation but we're not at the phase where we can fix any of these diseases by just magically, you know, taking a probiotic and fixing your microbiome, we're definitely not there. Um, but you know, maybe in five or ten years, we'll be a little bit uh, further and and might be able to to uh, change the bacteria in your gut and lead and and uh, have that lead to better health. But we're definitely not there. And unfortunately, a lot of people are uh, you know look at the microbiome as a solution for all things health related and and that's definitely not the case.
1: On that note, we are going to wrap up for today's episode. Uh, thanks for joining us, Elizabeth.
0: Yeah, you're very welcome. It was my pleasure I, It was really great to be here.
1: Thanks for listening to today's episode. Because it is Christmas coming up, we have a little gift for you, the Everything Hurts listener. Quite often, we get asked what happens during the episode breaks, and as part of our Professor Fancy Pants $5 Patreon support tier, we actually share the audio of what happens during these breaks. So, this is a little snippet of what happened during the break for episode 72, to uh, access more audio like this, uh, support us on Patreon. Uh, the uh, details will be in the show notes. Hope you enjoy. Gee, gee, we have to do video recording soon. We have to integrate that. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's going to be our um, our $50 emeritus tier.
2: <laughs> You're not leaving this bit in. I think I, think I will. <laughs> <laughs> the emeritus tier.
0: No, Emer- none of those yeah.
2: people none of those people can use the internet, Daniel. Yeah, they're all they're little punch
1: cards and Fortran. Fortran. Fortran.
2: They're so close to Fortran. They could have been before. I know, I know,
0: I know.
1: Oh man. Um I saw um yeah, anyway. Segue. Alright, let's let's get back get back into it and talk about this um, journal of controversial ideas